I'll show you in spring. It's a treacherous thing. Could be lyrics from The Cure's Love Cats or AppSec commentary on Java frameworks. That's right, we're back with the New Wave Post-Punk Security Hour, which means this week we talk with Joanna Ittergaard and Roberto Giacchetta from Detectify about approaching AppSec like a hacker in order to scan and protect web apps by turning clever crowds into custom code. In the news segment, Azure SDK bots collect collaborators. $16 subverts SMS. $300,000 secures GCP. A fascination street to hacking clouds GitHub sessions coming to a grinding halt, and more. Check your eyeliner and stay tuned for Application Security Weekly. This is a Security Weekly production. It's the show to learn the latest tools, techniques, and processes necessary to understand DevOps, application security, and cloud security. Your trusted source for the latest application security news. It's time for Application Security Weekly. Application security is hard when security is separated from your DevOps workflow. Security has traditionally been the final hurdle in the development lifecycle. Iterative development workflows can make security a release bottleneck. With GitLab, security is built into the CI-CD process. Every code commit is automatically scanned for security vulnerabilities in your code and its dependencies. Results are delivered to the developer in their native workflow for rapid remediation. Learn how GitLab enables DevSecOps. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash GitLab for a 30-day free trial. Security teams need visibility into Linux systems to detect and investigate incidents and protect against unwanted activity. Operations teams are not down with downtime, and with revenue tied to uptime, ops priorities are enterprise priorities. Which is a higher priority? Why not both? Capsulate provides flexible, production-ready infrastructure protection for Linux systems, all without a kernel module. With ops-friendly production security, Capsulate delivers monitoring, detection, and response without adding operational risk or cost. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Capsulate today to request a demo. This is episode 144, recorded March 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, Mike Shima, and I'm here with John Kinsella. Hello, John. Tell me how you do that trick, the one that makes me crash, she said. <laughs> the one that makes me all have to read the announcements first before I can finish that trick. Because if you missed Security Weekly Unlocked, you can now access all of the content on demand by visiting securityweekly.com slash unlocked. You'll find plenty of great talks in the offensive, defensive, and strategy and culture tracks. Also, our next live webcast will be April 29th. 11 a.m. Eastern, where you will learn how to prepare for modern ransomware attacks. Visit securityweekly.com slash webcasts to register now. If you missed any of our previously recorded webcasts or technical trainings, they're available for your viewing pleasure at securityweekly.com slash on demand. Joanna Ittergaard is VP of Product and heads up the strategic direction and development of Detectify Crowdsource, the company's ethical hacker community and vulnerability research platform. There are only a few thousand skilled ethical hackers in the world today, and her mission is to spread their knowledge through automation, broaden their impact, and put it into the hands of those who need it the most to make the internet a safer place. Prior to this, she worked at Bain & Company as a management consultant. Also with us is Roberto Giacchetta, who's currently the engineering manager of scanning engines at Detectify. He's leading the team to build new and innovative scanning technology to keep customers and the web secure. Hello, Joanna and Roberto. Thank you for joining us. Hello. 
So it's great to have you both here. And one of the things to kick us off with is that web apps, I think, themselves aren't new. Not a very um, earth-shattering statement right there. AppSec isn't even necessarily new. But modern web app designs have probably accelerated a lot faster than a lot of the AppSec approaches have. So let's kick things off by starting with the, the question, what have been the big problems that you've seen developers and teams struggle with, with for their web apps in, in the sense of what, what motivated you to enter this web AppSec um, space and, and solve these problems? We can start with uh, our, our classic motto of the internet is broken, uh, which, which we like to uh, tinker with. But uh, basically, that, that was the original idea of the founders that most of the things on the internet are especially becoming so complex nowadays that it's hard to keep track for the developers. So having a solution that automates the part of security is is quite mandatory these days. And what, as you said, is something that we are also fighting with is to keep up with the latest trends in technology so that we provide them the best possible coverage from our side. And that coverage comes from a pretty interesting approach that I think you've taken for this towards web app scanning. You have automation on the one hand, but you also have the, the, this crowdsource aspect as, as well that, that's feeding into it. Um, so, so tell us a little bit, how does this, how, how do these two approaches work or how have you made them to be successful so that they're applicable to, to modern web apps? Yeah, so what we've seen is that, um, I mean, there's a limited number of people in the world today that uh, have deep insight into, into application security and there's a limited number of, of uh, ethical hackers out there. So what we have done is uh, created a community of hackers that uh, provide us with uh, security information or vulnerability information, basically. Um, so it's a type of bug bounty platform um, where they send in vulnerability information to us that we then um, make automated tests for uh, that are then run in our scanner. Uh, so the ethical hackers are then um, paid basically uh, based on how broad impact they have on our customer base. Um, and what we also have done is to allow for these ethical hackers to help us with the automation. Um, so they can actually um, download like a scaled down um, open source versa version of our scanner uh, on which they can automate and build uh, security tests themselves that they we then can kind of plug and play into uh, our products. So a lot of this then comes from the idea that humans are still pretty smart. No, you know, no, no tool, no scanner is going to replace them completely, even though perhaps we always extol the benefits of trying to automate as much as possible. As you have these, you know, the, these researchers, um, this crowd looking at vulns, what are, tend to be a lot of the really impactful vulns that either crop up everywhere that is just important to be looking for, or that are pretty impactful and do need that that human intelligence behind it to really tease out that this that the web applications have these particular types of vulnerabilities. Yeah, I mean, there are certain types of vulnerabilities I think that that should be automated and be looked for. Um, uh, things that you can maybe fuss for, like uh, common XSS payloads and so on. Um, 
But when we what we see that the hackers provide us with, I mean, um, it could be things that are you know um, context specific or or business logic related. I think that's where where human intelligence are still very much needed in the space. Um, if we look at, for example. Uh, subdomain takeovers or uh, misconfigurations. I think those two are very interesting areas uh, where the hackers can provide us with a lot of information. For for misconfigurations, for example, it's like not necessarily a vulnerability that will be patched. Um, it's more like a vulnerability that exists because the user is using a certain software in in the incorrect way, perhaps, or in an in a way that the, wasn't intended, at least. Um, and that's something that is uh, interesting to look for, as you can't probably just patch it by updating to a latest version. Um, also, subdomain takeovers are interesting from the perspective of uh, of like understanding if you actually still uh, ha have knowledge of all your uh, internet-facing assets out there, and kind of if if you know that you are still in in uh, control of what what is shown on them, let's say. Yeah, so subdomain takeovers, that's, that's a great example of something that's a, a, a new-ish problem, I would imagine, um, I think it's safe to say, in the sense of just how much a, you know, platform as a service or just cloud services have introduced a new type of problem, a new type of misconfiguration or, or forgotten configuration, if you will, um, for, for that type of takeover. A lot of um, apps, too, if we're trying to tease out what's different, what's new about them, um, tend to be either do the uh, – I'm trying to look for, like um, – apps that are not necessarily stateless, starting to get more stateful, because you're sort of alluding to that in the sense of, you know, humans looking for business logic. And I'm kind of curious, when we say modern web apps are, are outpacing security, perhaps, what is it you see that's both um, a benefit towards, or, or how you see developer teams building good, secure, modern web applications, but what are some of the challenges from a security perspective that are that are, is really important for developers to keep in mind or security teams to keep in mind when they're coming to those apps to figure out, have you configured it right? Have you programmed it right? Are there new? Are are we really just dealing with old XSS, or are there new types of vulns, new things to be um, to keep in mind as as we're going to look at these? I think what's pretty common, uh, not not to give you the general perspective, but but what we have noticed that. The, the new kinds of technologies, maybe you're preparing for what's the current trend in, in possible vulnerabilities, but you end up with forgetting about something. And that's why a lot of the vulnerabilities make sort of a comeback after a couple of years or even more because they get reintroduced with as the complexity grows. So I think that's an important thing to not forget about older things that oh we thought we mitigated with some level of abstraction or or tools because it they can always pop back and cause issues <laughs> yeah i think that's more of the that's the grander scale of regression testing we we fixed it once but here is one year later five years later ten years later fixing the same type of vuln so i'm curious maybe to shift a little bit um in terms of we've been talking about the problems that 
web applications face or that the developers and security teams face when they're trying to secure these web apps. But how do they go about in, in consuming security tools or applying security tools? When you're talking with different customers or just seeing how organizations are trying to scan their apps, do, apply some type of security, what makes it successful for them to adopt some security technology for them? Or maybe conversely, what are some of the ways that you try to avoid or you've seen them av avoid deploying or adopting tools because it isn't successful? Uh, a key aspect from us is integration and automation. So that means that, oh, within your deployment pipeline, you should be able to to run our scan instantly and get the feedback from it as fast as possible to any kind of tool that you're using. So if it's like a, a Jira issue assigned to your security team or whether it's like data in Splunk, you should be able to, to get it. I think the integration is, is the key. And also just the, just the speed of, of delivery. Like even if you have just your application out there, you know, zero day can instantly pop up and we want to make sure to to scan for that zero day as as fast as possible and also deliver the result to you without you needing to do anything like uh, pushing a start scan button or or anything so it's it's also that continuous aspect of of monitoring your security that's important yeah i think yeah. that can go ahead joanna no, just adding to that, um, I think it's a relevant question in terms of, I mean, we when we talk to customers, we also notice that there are a lot of different ways of working around this. Um, so I don't know if there's a really good best practice, actually, uh, or if it's still yet to be created, but uh, because we see a lot of customers on different level, like a lot of different persons um, utilizing the tool, either if it's the developer directly or if it's actually like a more a CISO, a head of security type of person um, using these types of tools and then needing to actually escalate it uh, or delegate it to someone else to, to fix. Uh, so there are a couple of different use cases that actually need kind of to be met from that perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Joanna, you're also kind of you'd mentioned bug bounty before, sort of a, a that that type of crowd, um, and you're talking to uh, just now you're talking also about different ways that organizations approach security or need security to the point of continuous scanning that even Roberta was describing. But to sort of put this in perspective, I'm kind of curious how you've seen um, just bug bounty alone being part of a solution. Or maybe the smarter question, I think, is when should just bug bounty alone be part of a solution for web applications? So, I mean, I th I'm think that you uh, a company should probably never approach bug bounty uh, in itself, like a bug bounty program before uh, you have certain basic things in place. So I would say that uh, having a responsible disclosure policy and then having some kind of automation should definitely be, be the first steps um, before applying like a bug bounty program, for example. Um, automation I think of a bug Sorry. Sorry, sorry. sorry to interrupt, but when you said automation, really general, automation of what was in your mind? I meant like automation, like an automation tool that kind of tests for vulnerabilities on a regular basis gotcha. somehow, okay. um, whatever it could be. Um, 
but like an some some kind of application security scanner uh, of some sort, uh, because there are vulnerabilities that are known out there and that are kind of um, that can definitely be found through automation, and I think those should definitely be eliminated before going into a bug bounty program, given that it uh, costs a lot simply. Um, to have uh, individuals kind of spend time on hacking uh, your applications. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds, uh, it, it, that definitely resonates with quite a bit of how I would describe approaching it in the sense of why pay both in money as well as developer time for things that are, you should be able to easily figure out on your own or that scanners can find easily for you. And I think one of the aspects here, too, is a little bit of just asset inventory for applications. On the one hand, we might be talking about the web apps that developers are building right now. Um, but even Roberto kind of mentioned, you know, sort of on, on that theme of vulns crop up or things, you know, we, we repeat a, a lot of problems over time partially because we forget about the resources out there. So I'm kind of curious too, um, just sort of even setting aside the um, security aspect for a moment, what have been some, have you seen some success, successful strategies for just doing web application asset inventory or just knowing what an organization has out there in order to, to have it secured? Yeah. <laughs> and Possibly, possibly yeah. there's no really good strategy out there, hence the, uh, yeah. the, the awkward silence there, I think, yeah. Was was about to say, can't really say I have seen a really good strategy. I mean, if you're, you know, running on the cloud and only using one cloud provider, then, okay, you might have a good enough understanding of, of what's out there. But even then, like, uh, just catalogizing all the technologies that you, you use uh, on on the various assets uh, i mean of course depends on your definition of asset but uh, it's it's really hard and from our side i mean we're also trying the best to for example uh, catalog the technologies that we find but uh, it's it's not an easy process if you don't have access to to every every bits of data and even if you have every bits of data it's it's hard and then come the third parties and so on so i i can't say i have seen a, a great uh, solution for this that i i i would that would cover everything yeah, yeah maybe, no, maybe nothing that would cover everything in that sense um but I guess it's like what we are trying to develop, like our asset inventory solution uh, or our asset monitoring solution, I should say. Um, the purpose of that, at least, is to try to find all of your internet facing assets uh, and then test for certain vulnerabilities, like top level vulnerabilities on those. Uh, for example, subdomain takeover. So at least to have an idea of what is internet facing and what then. Um, could you potentially be vulnerable for us, like having some kind of overview? Um, and we see that a couple of our bigger customers have uh, an, an enormous amount of domains and subdomains. Um, so it's not understandable that it's really hard to keep track of in practice. 
Yeah, no, I just ima- yeah, I can imagine that the, just the sprawl of domains, especially just from the developer side of things, developer staging and prod. You also have three environments that can leak out, so to speak, into the the internet or be accessible and therefore exploitable, attackable. Uh, <clears throat> I'm curious too, then, if we're sort of um, let's talk a bit more about the the development side of things. Who tends to be, or how have you seen security tools, scanners, perhaps in particular? Adopted, and, and this goes to a common question we try to, to to bring up here in the sense of who's your customer, and and the reason I'm asking that question too is that when we're talking about features or serving the customer, serving their problems, sometimes there can be a different perspective on what the problem is or what the solution needs to be between that developer side of the house and the security side of the house. So I'm kind of curious, do you see a big difference between those two or do you see, um, you know, what, what are perhaps just the differences and similarities? And I'll actually stop asking my question now and give you a chance to respond. Um, I think we see... Um, I guess two different, two main types of problems to solve, I would say. Uh, One of them, I guess, is kind of compliance, ticking the box, making sure that, you know, you have done your ISO, whatever uh, things. And one is actually solving the vulnerabilities. (laughs) And the Detectivize approach is to to actually solve vulnerabilities. I mean, we want to make the internet safer. Uh, We're not looking to be a compliance compliance tool in that sense, and uh, we're looking to actually solve vulnerabilities. So that's the main type of customer that we uh, direct ourselves to. Um, Likely, there are also users who who use it for kind of um, uh, compliance purposes, but uh, uh, we have built it in a way where we actually have all of our tests are based on actual payloads. Uh, There's no like just indication of that there could be a vulnerability here because you're running X and Y version of something. We actually test all of the vulnerabilities with an actual payload. Um, so we try to make sure that uh, we, have as, we have as low false positive rate as possible and then actually can provide useful inputs to fix vulnerabilities rather than ticking boxes. Speaking of that, fixing vulnerabilities, kind of taking that that line, um, what in, in the spirit of how can we prevent all of these vulnerabilities from re-creeping back into code yet once again and com- cropping up again, are, are there certain themes or certain ways that you've seen um, development teams respond to vulnerabilities in a really constructive way or, or adopt something that says, ah, here's a new framework, here's something that we can do that will actually make this reintroducing this particular type of vulnerability that much more difficult or we'll find it much more quickly perhaps in in our own regression testing that type of thing i don't have any examples of that uh, maybe you roberto is uh, haven't have some but what i've heard is uh, that is usually a big problem in bug bounty programs as well, like to, to actually get reports on some vulnerability, but then accidentally reintroduce it, as you say, and not having some kind of automation in place to notice. So you actually have to pay for the same finding several times in a bug bounty program. And that's probably something you would want to avoid. <laughs> uh, so I think some level of automation is interesting in that sense um, to check for, to like do regression testing. Um, and our goal uh, is to actually allow for customers to to uh, build in their own regression testing in the tool, but that's not currently a possibility. 
that, that sounds like a pretty compelling use case, though, to be able to have that regression testing in. Because as you say, there's there's no point in um, it, it's a failure mode, I guess I would say, to to basically subsidize a whole bunch of different people running the same scanners, finding the same vulnerability over and over again, as opposed to having the well-written test, or even just the framework to be able to run the tests. Maybe that's what is uh, more fundamental, is uh, that capability that how can you recreate what a human does to interact with a web application? And on that, maybe I'm curious to hear a bit more about a lot of you know web application scanners interacting with a web application. We talked about business logic, that type of thing, or how do you how do we interact with a web application in the way that a human does? And so I'm curious too. What you know, what has the future of or the presence, perhaps even of just web application design? Um, how has that impacted or made it hard? Has it made it harder to secure those apps in the sense of? crawling them, testing them, or just reasoning through what types of vulnerabilities may be there. And here I'm trying to get, or I'm looking, I'm kind of curious about more complex types of vulnerabilities and maybe pick a bit at those business type logic types of flaws. Yeah, I would say certainly the complexity has increased and that we noticed for sure. And uh, again, we try to bring in this human aspect of, of testing. For example, we have this feature called recorded user behavior where you can actually record steps you run in in your browser that could be logging in or or any kind of special behavior that we replay during the scan because simply via automation you couldn't get to that special state that requires a specific input to in combination with a specific user or such things so i think the the human part of that comes in and another so that's on the crawling side and another thing on on the testing side is the easy to automate vulnerabilities yeah sure you can automate them but the the problems nowadays or the security issues out of them come out from the hard to automate problems and we have talked about you know oh you have a misconfiguration and okay, you find that misconfiguration, but then uh, someone hacking into the system, that's just the first step. So, okay, I find the misconfiguration and I find that with some information leakage, what does the combination of that lead to? So, and that's another aspect that we're introducing in our scanner. So not just take one step and be done with it, but take security testing as a step-by-step process where more complex security tests build on what we have found in previous tests. So again, kind of the, the human aspects of how would we think about uh, hacking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in and adding, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, so adding to that, I... I think what we've seen on uh, web applications over the last couple of years uh, is that more and more web apps are becoming more complex. And uh, I guess it's commonly referred to as like single page applications. Um, But I would say it's less JavaScript heavy applications um, where we see that they're not like you can navigate to the same URL, but get different results. Um, and that makes it very complex for scanning and for crawling um, and testing vulnerabilities to make sure that you're actually, um, you're in the same place as you were before. Like 
back in the day, it was more uh, straightforward with less uh, different states possible of a web application. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, my, my background is also in um, uh, several years ago, but building it at Web Application Scanner, and even at the time there, just trying to manage, trying to model the state machine of what a web application looks like um, quickly becomes a, um, not quite an exercise in frustration, but definitely a challenging exercise to be able to, to, to do that in a repeatable process, exactly like you were saying, Joanna. I, I'm kind of curious too then, um, sort of looking forward, maybe um, this isn't necessarily reading the tea leaves of the future, but are there certain things that um, developers or security teams can think about when they're designing their web applications or their APIs for that matter, in terms of making them more easy to instrument or be able to scan then i don't really mean this in the sense of make it easier for the the, the for the, the the developers of scanners but more in the sense of just making it easier to reason through recreate and model certain behaviors that should be happening within the web application so that you can find out when those vulnerabilities do fail kind of a Pro and the con is, I think, building on on a lot of existing components, which sort of standardize the behavior, mm -hmm. uh, which is good in a way that if you if you have that kind of behavior secured by by default by the component, and that kind of behavior is easier to test than some some sort of cluster behavior by by a security scanner then you're more protected from that side of course uh, a common behavior if exploited in one place then it's easily to exploit another place so in that regard it's it's a, it's a bad thing but if you're protected enough uh, then i think adapting these like common behaviors instead of like making custom state changes and using custom components in your web application makes it also harder for the testing side. So I think having just more standardized flows helps, helps you out. No, that's interesting. I guess uh, one one last question, perhaps too. Just looking forward to uh, from from your own perspectives, what are some of the really interesting challenges that you that you want to tackle to help um, uh, both with on the automation side as well as the human side because you have that combination in, in the sense of you know making web apps more secure. Yeah, um, two things I would say from from my end, like. Um, <clears throat> First of all, to allow for for our community of developers to, of um, hackers to kind of be able to automate for us to actually uh, send in vulnerabilities to us. I think more and more um, ethical hackers and unethical hackers use automation, so um, you need to kind of do that as well. Uh, and then also from the other side to allow for customers to actually automate um, findings for regression testing, for example. Um, that are either specific to themselves or actually sharing with the rest of the customer base from outside would be like also a way to uh, source vulnerability tests in an accurate and uh, scalable way. Cool. Um, no, I think, oh, go ahead. Uh, on my side, I would say like scan continuously because every day of vulnerability can 
come up. So if we, I mean, there were cases where we had uh, uh, some ma major outbreak of a vulnerability where uh, we had a POC submitted, pushed it out into our production within an hour. And then in your next 24 hours, you would get scanned if you had uh, scanning or monitoring enabled in our tool. So I think that that speed of reacting to vulnerabilities popping up is is something that we are also trying to constantly improve so that it's not going to be even a day, but maybe like hours until until you detect that vulnerability uh, and that continuity so that you can be always secure on on your website that uh, about your website that feeling we want to push for to our to our users yeah there's there's probably a few thousand exchange admins out there right now who are both uh, scrambling to patch as well as figure okay. out how to scan and answer the question are, are we exposed and, and how have we patched correctly um, so I think that's a pretty relevant and topical uh, continuous and quick reaction to vulnerabilities for sure yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, well, the exchange well, vulnerability specifically, we, we actually managed to kind of ask our community as soon as we saw that it was out. And we kind of asked them, is there anyone who has a proof of concept to be able to test for this vulnerability? And we got that sent in within a couple of hours and we could test for it within 24 hours. But that that's sort of an interesting, and I, I don't want to put you on a spot in a bad way, but it's sort of interesting to think about. If you're really dependent upon the community for for creating those, uh, um, uh, um, not just a scan signature, as you said, you want to have a, a full um, payload to be able to send that through. Does that? Um, what's the sort of? I, I'm sure it doesn't slow you down very often, but does that does that make you nervous at all, or um, it, it, how how does that versus having like mm -hmm. an in-house team of 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 you know of white hats? We have an in-house team as well. It's just not that okay. large, I guess. Um, okay. So we have uh, seven people in-house right now uh, working with this. So there are things we can do in-house, but um, when we look at this type of big things, then then likely it would take us longer to find out a solution than to actually use the community. And of course, we could use a signature to test for this, but on the other hand, would we then flag it to a lot of our users that don't actually are vulnerable for it. Uh, is that good? I mean, we are erring on the side of like avoiding false positives rather than the other direction. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Yeah, and I think uh, the one one of the aspects we didn't really touch on too much is just how the, engaging with the researchers. That it seems, I would guess, a bit um, better prospect to be able to. Uh, develop and exploit and um, monetize it, for, for lack of a better term, or, or to, to reap the rewards of doing that, rather than to go out and try to piecemeal um, find it across multiple different sites that may or may not even have a bug bounty program. So it seems like, I think from a glance, a, a constructive way to engage, um, engage the community in, in, in a positive way for, from a researcher's perspective. Yeah. Um, well, I think so. And, and I've talked to some of our users or ethical hackers, users on that side. And they, um, I mean, I've talked to some of them that actually done bug bounty, like actual bug bounty hunting on certain specific targets where they found like a very widely applicable vulnerability. And then they ask themselves, okay, what, what do I do now? Well, I can 
sit down and look through these thousand companies that have this vulnerability and try to verify it, try to see if they have a bug bounty program, send an email to them. Actually, one one of our users, she sent an email to 400 companies within two days. Um, (laughs) But that's not very (laughs) scalable, I guess. Uh, And also, like you say, they may not have a responsible disclosure program, so it might be straight up kind of illegal and put you in a really bad position. Um, So we hope we can actually solve a problem from the hacker side as well in terms of ethically being able to spread the information to as many as possible and be able to like make the internet safer uh, on a broader scale than just one target at once. So a bit of CICD for vuln development then it sounds like. well, I want to say um, thank you, um, both uh, Roberto and Joanna, for joining us. This was a, a fun conversation about making the web applications, making the web in general, more secure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I uh, also want to thank John, of course, for joining us, and I want to thank everyone for, for uh, listening in. To learn more about Detectify, visit securityweekly.com slash Detectify. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and return with news of the week. <laughs> 